to Podiatry Today podcast, where we bring you the latest in foot and ankle medicine and surgery from leaders in the field. Today's guest is Dr. Priya Parthasarthi, who will help us understand more about some of the latest information on regenerative treatments for Achilles tendinopathy. Dr. Parthasarthi was the recipient of the American Podiatric Medical Association's prestigious Rising Star Award in 2017. She currently serves as a member of the Board of Directors of the American Board of Podiatric Medicine, of which she is also a diplomat, and is chair of the APMA Communications Committee. She practices with foot and ankle specialists of the Mid-Atlantic in Silver Springs, Maryland. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. What can you tell us about some of the newer regenerative treatments that exist for Achilles tendon pathology? So there have been many regenerative treatments that have been around for many years, but recently there's been much more literature that is backing up these regenerative treatments and they're coming back up to the forefront. Specifically, I'm going to discuss MLS lasers, extracorporeal shockwave therapy, um, amniotic injections, and touch a little bit on um, platelet-rich plasma as well. So at this point of our lives and in the COVID pandemic, I'm seeing two different types of patients in the office. Group one would be patients that want surgical intervention because they're at home working anyways and have more time to recover. And then there's group two, patients that have held off on coming into the office for an entire year due to the fear of COVID. And they don't want to go anywhere near an operating room or even weekly visits to the physical therapy. They've just started feeling that doctor's offices are safe. So what do we do with group two, specifically with Achilles tendon pathology? Because I've also been seeing a lot of that because patients have been more active, walking hills in their neighborhood, and they've ignored this pain for months on end. So we can boot them, give them heel lifts, stretching exercises, physical therapy. We are all comfortable and familiar with the conservative treatments for Achilles tendonitis. But maybe this is the time to explore some of these newer regenerative treatments. Obviously, there are barriers, such as not being covered by insurance and out-of-pocket costs, but more patients, especially now, are turning to these modalities prior to surgery because it's getting them back to being active a lot faster. So what are some examples of these regenerative treatments that doctors may or may not already be using in their practices? We're just going to touch on a couple of these um, treatments and we'll just go through some recent literature um, to give you some options in your practice. So starting with um, ESWT or extracorporeal shockwave therapy, um, there's also a form of ESWT called EPAT, which is extracorporeal pulse activation technology, which is what we use in, in our uh, clinics. So what is it? It's acoustic waves with high energy peak, which interact with tissues, and they basically cause um, accelerated tissue growth, analgesia, and um, mobility restoration. What treatment schedule do you use for EPAT? So typically patients would do about three to five shockwave treatments every five to seven days. So I prefer seeing them weekly for about three weeks or so, depending on how they do. What's the current literature saying regarding ESWT and Achilles pathology? 
there are actually quite a few recent studies supporting ESWT in specifically Achilles tendinopathy, which is exciting. Briefly to go through these, in a 2019 study by the Journal of Biomedical Research International, there were 66 patients with chronic Achilles tendinopathy and they received shockwave therapy. Through the uh, disease course, they followed them um, with patients that had short-term symptoms, three to six months, and long-term group, greater than six months. So this study concluded that shockwave could relieve pain and improve function with chronic Achilles tendinopathy, and especially in the group with shorter symptom duration. So that's interesting, and we'll discuss that later about when to introduce these um, modalities. Secondly, there's another study in the Foot and Ankle International, which was a level one study, um, and it examined short and intermediate results for ESWT for non-insertional Achilles tendinopathy. The interesting part of this study is they combined it with stretching in concentric and eccentric loading programs in one group, and then in the other group, they had a placebo laser and just the stretching. So what they concluded is that combining calf and eccentric loading with stretching exercises resulted in an even greater improvement in the pain and functional scores in patients. So again, it's not to discount that it's just the shockwave therapy, sometimes, you know, continuing with the stretching exercises um, and those different things have shown to help as well. What can you tell us about MLS laser therapy? So the MLS laser stands for multi-wave lock system, and it's a laser which is FDA approved. It is stated to decrease inflammation, swelling, and pain through a series of laser treatments. Specifically, this laser uh, delivers two different wavelengths, which is important because some lasers just deliver one. One is 808 nanometers, and the other one is like 905 nanometers. And so one reduces edema, and one has more of that analgesic effect. In the literature, there's a lot of information about low-level laser therapy. So the difference between MLS laser and the low-level therapy is the MLS is able to induce a stronger anti-inflammatory, decreased swelling and um, analgesic effect simultaneously because they're using both different laser waves um, during a short period of time. The low-level lasers can't really they have some limitations because they use one or two of the wavelengths, but they're not synchronized at the same time. Are there any protocols for the use of MLS laser therapy? Most conditions usually have a protocol that range from six to 10 treatments. I usually start my patients off with six and then see what they do. The difficult part about this is they do have to come into the office two to three times a week for two to three weeks. Um, which is, I mean, during COVID, if they're working from home, it might be a good time to do it because they have more time. Um, and it is a shorter duration than maybe going to physical therapy where they have to do two times a week for a longer period. Are there any interesting studies you'd like to share regarding MLS laser? Um, two brief studies that we're going to touch on. In um, 2017, in the International Journal of Information and Scientific Culture, MLS laser was used on the treatment of patients affected by tendinopathies. So this was generalized tendinopathies. There were just a very few amount of patients that they tested for the Achilles tendon, but I think it's still important to review. Um, so they noticed that with the MLS laser specifically, 
um, in different areas of the body, there was a 60% reduction in pain observed after the laser treatment. So they concluded that MLS laser could be effectively applied for tendinopathy pain. Again, it was a small pool and it was a small study, but still encouraging. There was another study by in the same journal and they evaluated 45 patients um, ages 42 to 55 with chronic Achilles tendinopathy. They used a slightly different laser. It was a triple laser therapy, but it's still comparable to the MLS laser because the wavelengths are very similar. So the triple therapy used 808 and 1064, whereas the MLS uses 808 and 905. They concluded that the triple laser therapy promoted um, increased tissue growth and reduction of inflammation response in a shorter time, and they assessed that using ultrasound. They also came to the conclusion that it reduced operating costs and the need for more complex interventions. So they were solely using the MLS laser itself. It's a different modality compared to the shockwave therapy. We'll talk about later the difference in the post-op protocols with MLS lasers versus um, shockwave therapy um, about the same time of treatment as well. What about the use of amnion injections? So what are amnion cells? So it's mesenchymal stem cells. They contain collagens type 3, 4, 5, and 7, and fibronectin, and this interesting laminin mesenchymal cells that helps with fibroblasts, growth factors, and hyaluronic acid. So it's pretty potent stuff. And I'm sure you, you know, heard about it in the literature and um, online and those different sorts of things. Specifically, there's a lot of literature um, on amniotic injections and plantar fasciitis, actually. So I had come across a lot of that stuff. But there isn't too much, specifically with the Achilles tendon itself. So there is um, one study from 2015 in the Journal of Sports Medicine that looked at 44 patients experiencing both chronic plantar fasciosis and Achilles tendinosis. Um, so they were unresponsive to multiple standard therapies for at least six months or so. They were treated with one implantation of amnion fluid in the plantar fascia and or the Achilles tendon. So they saw a significant improvement in pain in all of the patients. So pre-injection, they were like, you know, 8.2 out of 10. And then post-injection week four, they went down to 5.2. And then about week 10 or so, they went down to the average of like one to three on the pain scale. So after treatment, you know, patients noticed a significant pain reduction and they did see that um, it was effective in chronic plantar fasciosis and Achilles tendinosis. And then there's some exciting changes with amnion, which we'll discuss a little bit later. Are there any other modalities that you feel fall into this topic of discussion today? The last one that's been around a long time, and I remember even in residency, um, platelet-rich plasma, a lot of my attendings used to add that into their tendon surgeries or even bunionectomies, you know, saying that it, it can help and aid in healing. So what is platelet-rich plasma? So they contain high levels of growth factors and anti-inflammatory cytokines, um, and they stimulate cell migration, cell proliferation, angiogenesis, and matrix synthesis. We pretty much draw blood from the patient, and then we spin it out, and then get that platelet-rich plasma and inject it into um, the Achilles tendon specifically. 
Again, there's plenty of literature supporting its use in plantar fasciitis, but there it is lacking in Achilles tendinopathy. So after reviewing a lot of literature, um, you know, it's still concluded that it remains controversial. So there's high level studies that are needed, but there are some studies that did show that the, it is a viable option for chronic Achilles tendinitis. Um, but again, that there's li limited evidence and larger studies are needed. I have used it um, on my patients. Um, again, we'll discuss a little bit later, but the biggest difference is cost between PRP and the amnion injections. So sometimes patients, um, you know, tend to skew towards trying the platelet-rich plasma first. There are also a lot of different PRP forward clinics. And so, you know, even my mother-in-law was asking me about PRP for her knee or her hip. So a lot of people are using it for many different things, um, but I think that there needs to be a little bit more literature there. So it sounds like there are some really interesting treatment options available in this regenerative space. How do you decide which patients might benefit from these types of treatments? Um, so that group two patient that doesn't want any surgical intervention and they don't want to go to physical therapy and they may want to get back to being active faster. I've also noticed prior to COVID, um, a lot of patients that you've usually had pain um, for at least like three to six months and failed other treatments, it is still, you know, much easier to start with your stretching and offloading and those sorts of things. But if they're not seeing any improvement, they may want to move on to something else. Specifically for the Achilles tendon, which we're discussing today, these modalities I found works best when there is not a bony deformity, such as like a retrocalcaneal exostosis or a Haglund's deformity. Because you have to remember, you know, if there is still bone in the area, you know, there is something else going on that's causing the pain. Now, I do caution that that doesn't mean that I haven't tried the MLS laser or um, shockwave therapy on these patients, but I have not found complete symptom relief. It's best to do on chronic Achilles tendinitis or huge tendinitis or tendinosis patients, and I've noticed that, that they've had the biggest symptom relief. So what type of post-procedure protocols might you use for patients undergoing these treatments? Can they wait there right away? Might you immobilize some of these patients? That's a great question. And that's a little bit controversial as well, because I think that's based on your patient population and what you see works in your clinic. So for example, with the MLS laser, um, as I was reviewing a lot of these studies and I was going and asking a, a lot of my colleagues on what they do, um, not specifically just what I do, um, I immobilize them to reduce that inflammation, um, although you do not have to immobilize. So a lot of people do combine it with um, physical therapy at the same time as we saw in that one study that combined it with exercising and stretching as well. Um, but I find that it works best when you put them in a boot while they're undergoing the laser therapy, especially for the Achilles tendon. With the shockwave therapy, one plus is that there's no immobilization needed. So it promotes an anti-inflammatory response. We don't want to impede that. So most patients can go back to daily activity, but I limit, you know, strenuous activity such as like high impact running or CrossFit or things like that. Um, I tell them to hold off for those things. 
Um, for both the PRP and amniotic injections, I look at more at, as a procedure. So I definitely do like to immobilize them in a pneumatic walking boot afterwards, um, depending on how many injections we're going to do and how their symptoms are progressing. Um, it's really important to remember there's no ice or NSAIDs after the shockwave therapy because you don't want to affect the, um, the outcome. Um, also with um, PRP as well, just so you get the best results. So what has your experience been with outcomes for these newer modalities? My partners and I have experienced um, good outcomes with MLS laser and the shockwave therapy. Most patients tend to opt for that um, just because it's uh, non-invasive, non-painful, and um, they can technically kind of get back to doing what they have been doing. PRP and amniotic injections, I found personally um, with the Achilles tendon, I've, I have done it a lot on patients that tend to have more degenerative tendons and have that bony deformity um, as well. So, you know, I tell them that it may not work because they still have that bony deformity, but these are the patients that don't want to go on to surgery. Now, surgery is definitely a valid option, and I do the surgery on the Achilles tendon all the time. But for these patients, it's nice to try these different modalities um, to see if they do get some symptom relief. I know we're talking about the Achilles tendon today, but PRP and amniotic injections I've done on perineal tendons and posterior tibial tendons, and I've seen excellent results with that. And a lot of patients have sometimes come to me as second and third opinions because they did not want to undergo um, surgery for, for the posterior tibial tendon or the perineal tendon, and we've injected um, with PRP and they have noticed a significant improvement. Um, however, I do find that it does take longer for these patients to get better with the PRP and amnia compared to the MLS and the shockwave therapy. So symptom relief is a lot longer. Immobilization for these patients, you have to remember if they do have a tear, they're gonna be immobilized a lot longer too. So you're not gonna see those significant changes in, in pain and activity. So I do caution that you prepare your patient that it is going to take a longer with some of, you know, with the PRP and the amnion as well. An interesting group that um, has had significant improvement um, with the MLS laser specifically are my older patients that have had chronic Achilles tendonitis, but they're super active. They like to walk around, they like to golf, they don't want anything to stop their golf game. Um, the MLS laser has really proved effective for them because they can kind of go in, get their two weeks of treatment with their six sessions, continue with their you know physical therapy exercises, and their back golfing. So that's really one patient subset that I've seen significant improvement um, with the MLS laser specifically. Well, you've given us a lot of information today. Is there anything else you think our audience should know? I've been really thinking about this, especially during the pandemic. And as I had mentioned earlier, we may want to switch to these treatments earlier. You know, going back to that 2019 study that examined chronic Achilles tendinopathy, they did show a greater improvement in patients with the shorter term symptoms. So introducing it earlier um, with the, um, that was specifically um, electric shockwave therapy, they noticed that patients had better symptom relief starting it earlier. So I, 
I've noticed that we tend to caution more because it is an out-of-pocket expense. Whereas other things such as, you know, orthotics or injections and physical therapy tend to be covered by insurance. But we have to remember if patients can get back to activity faster, then it's definitely worth exploring earlier. Now, the one exciting thing with amnion injections is a lot of insurances have begun to cover it. Um, so that, I think, is going to increase our tools in our back pocket to expand treatment to our patients because it is always easier to introduce something if it is covered by insurance. So that may expand the use of specifically amnion. Talking about costs, it varies depending on, you know, which laser you're using, which amnion company you're using, PRP, versus, um, you know, how much you spend on the shockwave therapy machine itself. So yes, it is definitely an investment into your practice. Um, and you have to be careful with reimbursement and things like that. But again, if patients can get back to activity sooner, then it's absolutely worth it. The last thing that I want to um, mention when I was going through the literature on, you know, tendonitis in general, you know, specifically we're talking about the Achilles tendon, but tendonitis in general, what are some even more cutting edge emerging treatments? So one emerging treatment to keep an eye on is using exosomes. So exosomes are extracellular vesicles and they're pretty much tiny fluid filled sacs or nanoparticles that originate in different types of cells in the body, including stem cells. So it's actually a part of the stem cell itself. So we're, you know, we're talking about different stem cells and generally knowing that they provide regenerative benefits. But recent studies suggest that it's the exosomes that play a vital role in why the stem cells provide such a regenerative treatment. So there is a study, a 2019 study in the Journal of Cellular and Molecular Medicine, and they studied the effect of exosomes um, on tendon stem cells on tendon injury healing, specifically, interestingly enough, on the rat Achilles tendon, which had tendinopathy. So they injected it with collagenase one, um, and then, you know, to cause some sort of tendinopathy. And then they followed it by an intra-Achilles tendon injection with the exosomes. They concluded that the exosomes could be an ideal therapeutic strategy in tendon injury healing because it balances the extracellular matrix and it promotes tenogenesis. So that's exciting. The costs are very high for exosome therapy right now, but again, it's in the initial phases. So I really think that there is a role in regenerative treatment. It's just more studies need to be done um, as we discussed, especially on um, PRP um, and those different things to see if patients, if you're using it on patients in your office, it'd be nice to have it backed up with more um, robust literature uh, with more level one studies. So that's one thing that I did come across. I feel that Shockwave is really leading in that um, department. But I think that they're all valid options to have in your office. As we discussed with my experience, I have noticed that it's changed my practice a lot, being able to offer these different treatment modalities. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today, and thank you to the listeners for joining us on this episode. You can listen to this episode and any other episode on your favorite podcast provider, 
And don't forget to go to podiatrytoday.com for any related reading and articles. Thank you.